Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, good morning, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Yeah, we don't let friends feed kibble. Do you let friends feed kibble, Dr. Andy? I do not. What do you do to them if they do? They're generally not my friends. <laughs> I'm very picky about who I hang out with. Wait a second. We're going to have to have this interview and see if we're going to be friends. <laughs> Do you feed kibble? Let me smell your dog. <laughs> and most of my friends convert. Good. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Right? Because yeah. you're in the pet health business from the body to the gut to the mind. Yeah. Because it all goes together. Yes. It's very important to me. It is. It is. Hey, I was reading some stuff about uh, chiropractic work on pets. And, you know, I don't think it's a, it wouldn't be a good idea if you had a people chiropractor working on a pet because they're very different, aren't they? So when we, when I went to people chiropractic school, we learned lines of drive into the joints with upright human beings, right? So basically if we get on our hand, on our all fours, that's very similar to a dog, (laughs) um, and a cat, right? It really is. I mean, our shoulder systems are designed a little differently, but the rest is very similar if we get on our all fours. Okay. Uh, most people, chiropractors that have not gone through the training that I've gone to are not comfortable even playing around with that. Mm, you know, but some are and some, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's 250 credit hours that I did you know, 20 years ago and it's credit hours every year since. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So, and I see a lot of chiropractors pets, like they do bring them to me. Oh, so good. it just, good. I think it just depends on their, and I fixed actually some dogs that people chiropractors have worked on too. So, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we don't really know. Uh, yeah. But one of the things that I was reading it, it said, look, uh, they don't snap, crackle and pop like humans, right? No, no. And, uh, and you can't tell them to lay a certain way and put your mm-hmm. leg over here and move it. You know what I mean? It's totally yes, different. Exactly. It's all of those things. They do not make the noise we make, which is interesting. And I don't know why. I don't, well, I good, because that heard, was my next question. Why? <laughs> I haven't heard a good explanation because it's just gases that build up in the joint. Um, and do we have more gases that build up in the joint because we're upright and they're, you know, not, and they are constantly, they constantly have gravity pushing down on their spine. Whereas ours, it, it works differently that way. Maybe that's it. Um, I tend to get more snap crackle and pops out of horses. It does happen here and there, but they do not make the noise we make at all. They will not. Yes. Lay face down, roll this way, roll that way. I remember going through the course 20 years ago. And they're like, okay, get the patient in a perfect standing position and patient meaning like Labrador or or whatever. And I go over to the Aurora animal shelter because they let me volunteer and practice. Thank, thank them. Nobody else would let me come over and practice. (laughs) 
I called them all in the Denver area and they were the only ones who returned my phone call. Um, those dogs never stood in perfect patient position. I mean, there was times when there I'm the puppies running by and I get an adjustment in, I mean, <laughs> it was, it was like trial by fire and it was amazing um, to see that and to see how well it worked, even though the dog was squirming and moving and doing all of that. Cause I actually didn't have anyone helping me either at the time. So, um, I, again, uh, suggest that people look into chiropractic work for your pet. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why you believe that dentals and that you have seen that dentals need to have an adjustment afterward. Um, in your last email that you sent out, you were talking about um, what is the mom's name? The mom is Meadow's mom. Yeah. Meadow's mom had a great question for you. Uh, and so before you talk about the question from Meadow's mom, had she heard the podcast or heard us talk about that her dog should get an adjustment after a dental or was it just one of your uh, patients who knew that she was just one of my patients that knew that or did that. So, um, I've, I've seen Meadow three or four times over the last couple of years. So not real often cute little sprout. So cute. Um, one year up when you're down, but, um, but mom happened to make an appointment after her dental. I forget how many teeth she had extracted and we did our thing. And I, I'm racking my brain. I don't remember if she talked about barking at her food at that visit or if it just came up in the email. Uh, but I just love the fact that mom asked a question. Like she sent me an email and asked, you know, before maybe she goes down this long road of whatever the vets come up with, why don't we try this again and see if the barking stops. But it's, it's interesting. I'm so glad you paid attention to like paid attention, like barking at food, dental, not barking at food. All right. You know, adjustment good until we're barking at the food again. Like that's paying attention. That's awesome. It wasn't the dog stopped eating. It wasn't the dog looked like they were in pain. It, it, it was barking at her food. Now dentals are rough. They're rough on the TMJ, rough on the cranial bones, the cervical spine, and it's not malice by your veterinarian. It's just the nature of the beast. They have to intubate the dog. They knock the dog out. And actually any surgeries where they knock the dog out, they don't have any muscles protecting those joints. L let's say Meadows, I don't know, 15 pound dog. And they extract, I'm just making up the extraction. I don't know how many she had. 12 extractions, little Yikes. dog mouth, you know, little dog mouth, little dog teeth, you know, and let's say eight of those just kind of fell out, but four, they had to dig around in there and shake the jaw around and, you know, dig out a root. And then they had to flip the body over and get to the other teeth. And then they're digging on that side mm. of the jaw, but your, your jaw has that temporal mandibular joint, right? So the bottom moves separate from the top and you don't have any muscles supporting how much that jaw is going to move while they're digging out that teeth, those, that teeth, that tooth. There we go. <laughs> right. Maybe they intubate her and they open the jaw too wide because they don't have the muscles to stop it. Um, it, it you know, let's say you have a 120 pound great Dane and you have two 90 pound pecs trying to move it with no, you know, muscles to help there. It's going to flop a little bit. 
who knows what's going to impact that joint in the neck, you know, wherever. Um, but that head, if you ever see it, when it's doing a dental, it's just kind of flopping around and it's just the nature of the beast. And so getting that adjusted, making sure the temperament of your joint is moving properly again, making sure all the muscles, because the way I work is I'm actually muscle testing. I'm making sure those muscles are quote unquote turned on. And that's not that they're not working, but it's in an applied kinesiology way where, okay, you know, the pterygoid on the right is not firing like it should. I can find that and turn that muscle back on. So that's going to fire equal with everything else that's going to help that jaw move again. I want to ask you um, in a second about muscle testing, but just so that our audience understands the sort of sequence that Meadow was going through. This was, um, she came in after a dental, you adjusted her, everything was fine. Then she started barking at the food. Again, yep. Then she came back in and was adjusted again. She hasn't come back in yet. Okay. She will be back in. Yeah. So what's the other thoughts that you have about why a dog might be barking at their food? Maybe there were mites in there that they can see. I don't know. I And I'm not kidding when I say this, Dr. Andy, I was reading in um, one of my favorite books that Neely got me for Christmas, the 500 page uh, book called Feeding Dogs by Dr. Connor Brady. And he was talking about all of these different, you know, we we commonly talk about aflatoxins, mycotoxins, but he's talking about this one called vomitoxin, and it really does look like vomit toxin. But he also goes on to talk about that the reason that they started radiating their food was because there were mites in there <laughs> and they're trying to keep the mites down. So they radiate the food. Is that not even grosser than we thought? The treats that are out in those bins at all of your pet food stores, the ones that are exposed to the air, you know, they're kind of in those little farm baskets and they're all just, you know, like the, yeah, all of those have been radiated every single one of them because they're exposed to the air. Right. So they do, they radiate them. Um, but anyway, I thought that was fascinating and I digress. I don't digress. I just shoot that in there because we are going to go down that path a little bit more about what the heck is wrong with kibble under other than the things that we talk about all the time, because mm-hmm. I think it's worse, even worse than we think, Dr. Andy. Yes, if, it if is probably met. worse than we even think. <laughs> all right. So and I think it's pretty bad, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, can it get any worse? And it just did. Thank you, Dee. It did. It did. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, uh, I still get these questions. Can you, can, you know, can you, uh, recommend a kibble food for me? Well, no, because we're in the pet health business and that would go against my pet health advice. Yes. For many years, I did have a couple kibbles that I would recommend. And now it's no, I don't, I don't have anything. You need to do this. Right. Right. Or, or we're done talking <laughs> pretty much. Like I, I, I have nothing to contribute to rationalize why you would feed kibble. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people want to say it's, it's financial, but again, I think that if you had a child, if you had a child that had a problem, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, and you found out that this child would no longer have a problem if you fed it something different, but that something different food was more expensive. I don't think that you'd cheapen out on your child. At least let's hope not. Right. We so, hope not. And most of my clients, these are their children. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So back to why do you think this dog was barking at its food? Oh, who knows? Right. Like, and I don't think even people think about this, that some dogs don't like what you're feeding them. And I even mentioned in the email, it never dawned on me when I got my first dog 20 years ago that he could possibly not like food. Right. Like dogs just eat whatever you give them. Right. I think it's an old wives tale that's out there. Right. Um, and, but there are dogs that don't like their food. Like I have clients like, oh, they don't really like to eat. It just sits there. I'm like, they don't like their food. Now is the kibble size too big? It has the bag gone rancid because you poured it into a plastic container three months ago and you're only halfway done with it. That food has gone bad people. I guarantee you. And I like to tell people that kibble companies spend more money on their marketing than the food inside. Spend more money getting that bag to keep that food from going rancid as fast as it's going to more than they care about the food inside. Um, and do not ever pour it out of a bag into a container. Makes it go bad even faster. Um, so who knows? Like, And she's one little dog. Does mom buy the big bag to save money and takes her four months to finish the bag? Um, and that food's bad. So is the food rancid? Uh, one of my questions with clients, because they're not all raw feeders, I that's a perfect world. It doesn't happen. Uh, oh, we had diarrhea again. I'm like, are you in the beginning, the middle, or the end of the bag? <laughs> Generally, they're at the end of the bag. That means the food went bad, gave them diarrhea. And then, it, and then they treat it with antibiotics from the vet, usually metronidazole, and then they end up in this awful cycle. Some people say the beginning of the bag. I'm like, oh, then they must have changed an ingredient in there that's bothering your dog, but they don't have to tell you they did that. And they don't have to tell you they've been getting the rice from XYZ and they switched to ABC and now your dog can't handle it because they did something else to that rice from that country right? I am a control freak of magnitude. I ain't dealing with that. I want to know what's going in my dog every single day at every meal. Well, rice is just ridiculous. Wow. Pull that out of your dog's diet. I don't get that. Stop it. But there's nothing a good, about, there's nothing a good. <laughs> right. And what and vets do this? Oh, your dog has diarrhea. Put them on a bland diet, chicken and rice. And the dog gets better. Well, a, the dog might've just gotten better period. B, yeah, because that's still less processed than that crappy kibble you were feeding. And C, could you just do chicken? Like, right, we just don't, do we chicken. Don't, the, the rice is basically undigestible. Like, please. Maybe it stiffens up the poop a little bit. I don't know. And I'm I, sure I could probably I find that in this book because he, I mean, he is amazing. Uh, all of the stuff that he has documented um and yeah it's, it's i love those people the detail people yeah Amazing. right so we can go back and and take a look i just did a uh podcast um last week on out of what i studied in here about the four-step process about how like nestle and perina and mars how they get you to buy their product okay so number one they 
own the information. Okay. So they create the information, then they own the distribution of that information, and then they incentivize those that put out that information. So they have this process. And one that I found very, very interesting was that if there are issues, and we saw this in in the whole COVID thing, is what they do is deny, 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 deny until they can no longer deny. By that time, they've already got their a huge profit margin. So I thought it was super interesting. And we do see that, right? We do see that. And then I started uh, seeing that um, uh, Dr. Robert Malone, who was talking about the whole COVID-19, he said, look, the mRNA vaccine for livestock, it's here. They they started on that in 2015. And they're putting it out there. And he said, um, Zoetis, is just the name of the pharmaceutical arm for the veterinarian community. It's the same people. And they've got all of these different vaccinations that have the mRNA technology for the cows, for the swine. Um, And he is very, very alarmed by this. He said, um, you're not going to find, you're not going to be able to find much information if you Google it, because again, they own, and they're going to figure out a way to distribute this information. Um, yeah, so very scary. We do not know what they're going to do to our food supply. Mm-hmm. And it all comes down to, as it did, where, as it does for everything, it comes down to cheaper. It's cheaper to vaccinate this way. It's cheaper. They can make it. They can make it faster. But he said that he doesn't believe believe that they're getting the FDA approval on those vaccines any more than they did on the ones that they had for us. So very frightening. It is frightening. You wouldn't think that they could get away, get away with that, whatever the heck that means. Right. I think they can. I mean, I I think they can too. Um, one of the things that I was reading in Dr. Brady's book is he was talking about how they go out to all of the veterinarian universities and they give them huge grants and they give them huge incentives in order to push the narrative of which they want. So think about it. Mm-hmm. Every year there's these little soldiers that come out of these universities spouting off what the pharmaceutical companies want. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best thing for your pet. Nope. No, that's that indoctrination we talk about. And I have a client who through COVID, took her kids out of school, homeschooling, moving out to Elbert County, like very staunch, not really towing the company line on any of that. And her daughter, who's 16, is looking at going to vet school. And I'm like, I don't know if you can handle it. They will indoctrinate you to this, this, and this. And that doesn't seem to line up with your values based on your family. I don't I don't know. I think you might want to work around and, and see what else you can do I don't think you're going to make it through. And when you do make it through, you're going to have different points of view until you unwind all that when you're back out of school. There are many times in the last 20 years, I'm like, if I went to vet school, I could do X, Y, Z with a lot more freedom, right? Mm -hmm. No one's going to let me in the vet school. They don't want to deal with me. I'm not young. I'm not stupid. And they're not going (laughs) to indoctrinate me to their company line, right? They're just not. So they're not going to let me in. There's no way. They'll come up with some other reason. And I don't have the energy or the inclination to do it now. But when I was looking at it, I'm like, they're not going to let me in. 
there's no way. And in, in people that go in with, I want to be a holistic vet, probably do not come out with the same gusto. They may unwind it again and, and get back to it, but it's a whole thing. Like they have to vaccinate animals. They have to do surgery. They, and it's how you get through. So I, we've talked about Dr. Thomas Cowan Mm-hmm. before and we both really love him and uh i woke up to an email from him this week which i love so he <laughs> i i hope that he will come on the podcast but um Woo-hoo. yeah i'm uh, sending him some food out for his cats now his cats are actually raw fed and he said to me um i don't vaccinate i don't do any of that stuff and i was like mm-hmm. so uh but he he cuts up his food for his cats twice a day. And uh, so he's looking for, you know, as all people do with the DIY, they have great intentions of going in. And obviously he has great resources and great food, but he's like, it's getting, you know, and they do hunt, they live in the barns, uh, but, and he does a great job of what he's feeding him, but we're kind of going to see how his cats are going to react. I don't know. And I said to him, I said, listen, I I really do not uh, even begin to act like I understand cats. Uh, Yeah. Cats are very, very, very different. And I, and indoor, outdoor cats, like you just said, he doesn't vaccinate his outdoor, indoor, outdoor cats. Oh my God. You know, I'm kidding people, but they get the cats outside cats get involved in all kinds of different life, life, um, uh, what's scuffles? No, like, oh God, life cycles with like bugs and rodents. And I mean, they get involved with a lot more bugs and stuff than our dogs do. They're very different. Yeah. And you know what they want to eat and when they want to eat. Yeah. They're just very, very, very different critters. But you know what? I think (laughs) I really want to ask him those questions. I, you know, because he's very, um, He's very animate about keeping the body clean and feeding good food and, uh, of course, uh, involved with the Weston A. Price Institute. And he said on one of his podcast or one of his video podcasts, you know, he wanted to be a doctor. And then he and he is a doctor, but he couldn't do it the way that they do it. And he knew that a long time ago because it just didn't make sense to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really want to get from him. All right, why don't why don't you believe in vaccines? Not even believe in vaccines, but what have you seen? And you know he's gone very very much in depth, so our listeners can get another mind blowing viewpoint, mm-hmm. right from from somebody that has no um, that that's not you know. You may think that we have an ulterior motive. Yeah, that is to keep your pet healthy. That's our ulterior motive. Really it. But, you know, he's going to really blow some minds, you know, where he talks about there are no real ribosomes. There are no this and there are no that. And I um, went to medical school and I'm like, he is just saying what? I know. I said that (laughs) too. I've seen those diagrams. I know exactly what he's talking about. And that's exactly what we were taught. Yes. years ago. And I'm like, you, you, you say what they've never actually imaged them. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Right. When he, and and so you keep backing up and you're like, well, if there are no ribosomes then there's not this, and if there's not this, Mm -hmm. there's not that. And this means that, Mm -hmm. 
And you know, another thing that he says, Dr. Andy, is he'll say there is no real immune system. Mm-mm. That's another mind blowing thing. So yeah. And he wild. says that the heart's not really a pump. I have not gone down that rabbit hole, but I'm like, you say what? Like it goes back to that saying that I, I go back to a lot is everything I've ever believed in turned out to be a lie. Right. It's fascinating. Right. And if everything that we believed in turned out to be a lie, then what is the truth? What is the better truth? Right. How can we really, let's say, address cancer? Look at the way that cancer mm. is addressed today. Mm-hmm. Kill the white blood cells with chemo Kill and the white blood thing. Right. <laughs> and um, so he has, you know, cancer and the new biology of water. If you read this, you're just like, what <laughs> what do i do now so it's it's pretty amazing so i'm i'm hoping that um you know he's super busy um and i'm hoping that i i can get him over here because he can speak to exactly what we're talking about yeah yeah and he he truly can and it's amazing and it, yeah it is it's mind-blowing yeah so we hope that people We hope that we've opened their minds a little bit about things, right? One of the things that I thought was so important about getting this information out in the podcast I did last week is to help them understand why your vet would be saying the things that they say. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the information has been owned. The distribution is owned. The incentives are there. Mm -hmm. And it's partly how they make their money. Yes, that incentives. Yep. Right? And if you step outside of the line within a group that you're in, right, just like you were talking about, if you were to go into vet school, you'd be like questioning every day mm-hmm. and then people be looking at you sideways. Maybe you you wouldn't have anybody sitting at the lunch bench with you anymore. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> be over in the corner by yourself. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe what she said? Right. All right. So Inter- what interrupted class again? Right. <laughs> All right. So what new and fun questions did you get on your lives? Which, by the way, if you want to join Dr. Andy on her YouTube live, you go to Dr. Andy's World every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time in Andy's World is A-N-D-I. What new and fun thing did you come across this week or last week? Um, We talked a little bit about transversing um, rescues when your animals in your home are not up to date on their vaccines or you raw feed and how rescues don't want to adopt to you then. You know, we, um, this, this, oh yes. And, uh, we were working (laughs) with kind of what I said. (laughs) I'm like, Oh boy. We worked with some rescues for a while. Um, the problem is, is that if you run a rescue, at least this is what they say. Um, you want somebody to adopt that dog. Mm-hmm. And if feeding raw is going to keep that dog from being adopted, they're not going to do it. Right? Because people will say, well, I don't want to commit to feeding raw. I want to continue to feed mm-hmm. kibble. So that's one of the issues that- But not uh, even the rescue is feeding raw. The home does. So the rescue who's feeding crappy kibble doesn't want the dog to go into a raw feeding home. I think it has more to do with that home. Maybe they have an animal that- um, had a vaccine reaction or is ill and they're they're not up to date on their vaccine so that rescue won't even adopt to them can't have that animal going in there the wait a minute the rescue will not 
Mm-hmm. Let someone take care of an animal if they're a raw feeder. Is that what you're saying? That was the question. Like she was asking me how I transversed getting my animals if I rescue, if I went through a rescue because I'm a raw feeder and I may or may not vaccinate like everybody else. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're going to kill those rescues coming in that have been totally vaccinated up the wazoo. Okay. And I go, yeah, you, you most like, like she was trying to adopt a dog and they called her vet and her vet said, no, they're not up to date. And so they wouldn't adopt her. They call your vet and ask this one did. What? That seems like that's a HIPAA violation to me. <laughs> well, animals so far don't have HIPAA, but, um, which I'm kind of grateful for anyway, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, so yeah. And so how do, you know, she was asking me personally how I transverse that and my animals have come from all different places. So I actually have not run into that. I have run into, um, I think, ener- I think rescues have a very interesting energy. I, I don't understand them most of the time. I really don't. Right. Um, I've, I've had people report back. They wouldn't adopt them a boxer because their fence was six inches too short. I've had, you know, and I, I just, I, I, people in rescues baffle my mind. I just told her to go to the shelter. They won't ask so many questions. They want the right. dog out. <laughs> they just right. really won't. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I so agree with you because I think that they focus on the wrong things. I mean, is this family going to provide a wonderful environment for that dog? And yet they're looking at, you know, and I've, told you this before that I couldn't adopt a dachshund from a certain place because right. I had stairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you understand how well my dogs are treated and okay. your dogs are treated or, uh, and this, this, um, so Brian, my, one of my, um, mem- uh, employees, he rescues, mm-hmm. he's a raw feeder and he knows that at a certain point that that particular dog is probably going to go to another home, but he's like, Oh, so he's fostering. He'll foster. He'll foster. He has okay. his dogs who are rough ed and then okay. he fosters for mm-hmm. rescue. And he's okay. like, I'll be darned if I'm going to give him kibble. He's like, it just, it just kills me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm mm-hmm. feeding my dog a poison, which by the way, aflatoxins, mycotoxins, vomitoxins, yes. and radiation. Yes. Are poisons. So, um, yeah. So he raw feeds until they go into the other home and then it's up to the person that adopts them. Right. And I actually have a lot of, I have a handful of clients that do the same thing. They foster. They're raw fed when they're at the house. Sometimes they don't even tell the rescue they're fostering for that that's what they're feeding. Right. Um, and then, then I, the next home, it's their choice, right? I think there are some instances where you need to learn how to lie. That was the other thing I did say. I'm like, if the rescue is actually calling your vet for your vet records, yeah, you can't really lie about that. But other than that, lie your ass off. (laughs) Everybody else, everyone else is lying to you. Like, come on. Come on. That's a great point. And every system is playing you. Why can't you play the system? Come on, people. Yeah, play the system for health, right? For for health. Yeah, for the benefit of everybody. What you're going to lie about is going to benefit that dog get them in your home and change their vaccination schedule, change their food. Come on. That's a benefit. And you're dealing with stupid. So right? outsmart, outsmart, stupid. Come on, people. 
Yeah, that's that, I've said that, you know, I'm not going to tell. I don't need to tell anybody that is going to possibly sew up my dog's leg or let's say I got to go into that. I don't need to tell them I'm a raw feeder. Why would I do that? Right. We've seen the reaction, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I would say this, you are more likely going to get an honest, a more honest, okay, uh, diagnosis, um, uh, um, what is the, what's, what's the word? They're going to look at your dog more in depth. If you tell them you're a kibble feeder, if you don't tell them you're, you're a raw feeder, you're going to come out better. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And because they will stop guys, they will stop and they'll just say everything is because of the raw food. They will. They really now, will. It's insane. When um, Riggs, if you can hear him, he's barking his full head off. My Doberman went in to get his corn cob removed out of his stomach. That's a whole nother story. Um, went into the ER. They did a fantastic job. We did not discuss his vaccination schedule. We did not discuss his food. I didn't bring it up. We're not talking about it. It was lying by exclusion. I don't care. He's here to get a corn cob removed. That's what he's here for. And this particular clinic, that's what they did and sent him home. And I'm like, thank you. But as soon as you, you mention that, then all, and we're going to go back to that energy and those projections, all those projections from the tech and the vet on your animal, because they're raw fed. This is what's wrong with them. Oh my God, this is what that's causing. All of that goes onto your animal and they don't need that either. So you're, and, and we've only got a few more minutes with you, but mm -hmm. I want to ask you this question really quick. Um, I know you're very much into energy. Energy is everything. You really feel it. You see it in the dogs. Um, can I ask you really quick about muscle testing? Oh yeah, you, we're going to. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've wondered about this and I'm, I want to get your opinion. If you have an opinion um, and you are, <clears throat> Right. And you are the person who is doing the testing. Will that opinion that you have come out in the testing? Yes. As a bias. Yes. It will. <laughs> yes. And if you're doing it long enough and you're doing it well enough, you're going to be aware. Oops, sorry. Aware of that. And I ask, is this really here? Like, am I going towards this pattern, whatever I'm looking for, because I think it's going to be there or is it actually there? So I will double check myself. Um, and there's probably days that my muscle testing's off because I'm a little off. I mean, it is a whole thing. Some muscle testers use a surrogate. They actually use the animal's owner. I don't do that because I don't need them getting in the mix. And if they're having a bad day or if they're confused by what I'm doing, they're going to like kind of get in the way of what I'm looking for. Um, I, some actually use an assistant. That's probably a little cleaner because they're going to be used to it. But if they're having a bad day, like there are things and I can catch myself. Like I, I'm like, all right, this isn't this, what's going on here. And I kind of clear myself. Maybe I'll get up and get a drink and I'll come back. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's stuff and you just have to be aware of it and work with it just like any other modality. Mm -hmm. All right. So on the next podcast, can we talk more about muscle testing of how to do it, how to clear sort of your energy um, and know whether your biases are getting in and then you're getting a wrong, you know, test. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we'll, we'll define applied kinesiology. It's actually a full on separate modality within the chiropractic world. It's been validated time and time again. And I call it just a basic way of I'm asking, I'm asking the animal what needs to be adjusted is how I explain it to my clients. Okay. That'd be great. Also on the next podcast, will you be able to report back to us what food this dog's barking at? Oh, yes. <laughs> Cause I am very curious and everybody keeps asking me actually, no, it won't be the next podcast. She's not coming in till the 21st. Just text her. <laughs> hey, we need to talk about your dog on the podcast. <laughs> What's he barking at? <laughs> okay. I will find out for the next podcast. All AK right. and what is Meadow eating? Got it. Yeah. Got it. You know, I'll text you and bug you before the next podcast and say, what'd you find out? <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. So you can join Dr. Andy over at Dr. Andy's world. It's YouTube. It's ScrewTube by me, but Dr. Andy loves it. So we're just going to keep saying YouTube. <laughs> gotta get my Dr. Andy doesn't love it. It's, I'm just teasing you. You got to feed the beast, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Oh, uh, whatever. Okay. So it is Dr. Andy's. I'm surprised though, if you're talking about vaccines, maybe you don't put it in the, in the uh, title or something like that. I'm surprised they haven't shut you down yet. I don't mention it a lot and it's never with the other C word. So I don't, you know, we're talking about animals, so I don't yeah, good. think they're picking up on it, but they could, it could yeah. happen. People. All right. All right. Uh, make sure you're downloading those, Dr. Andy, that you're keeping all of your shows because if they shut so you down, smart. they're going to, I am smart. That's, so you know, smart. thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> okay, everybody get over to, you can also find Dr. Andy and get yourself a, a, a chiropractic, um, uh, assessment. You can get a pet health consultation. You can get your first step in health. That is via a second opinion at animalmagiccare.com. And also you can get on her email list where all of these fabulous stories come out and you will hear them before the podcast. So get over to animalmagiccare.com. Get your dog on a species appropriate diet. That is your first step in health. Get them off that crappy yep. kibble. All right. We're going to have a lot more information coming out of Dr. Brady's book. It's going to make you sick to think what you're putting in your dog's body. Uh, it's gross. Yuck. Get over to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.